Hey everybody, this is We Need to Talk About Kevin. My name is Ted Reedy. I'm Rose. And I'm Trevor Drinkwater. Uh, this podcast, we're going to be l- watching every Kevin Smith movie in chronological order. Uh, and then reviewing them, not only reviewing the movies, but also reviewing Kevin Smith himself. <laughs> um, I have never seen a Kevin Smith movie. Technically, I've seen the first half of Clerks, I think. But other than that, I've never seen another Kevin Smith movie. Never really thought about him. Uh, so I'm very new to this. Uh, I am a embarrassingly long time Kevin Smith fan. Although I haven't like been into him lately. Uh, when I was young, Clerks was definitely a big inspiration for me being a young filmmaker and I liked a lot of his movies, you know, as like a young atheist, I thought Dogma was very funny. So I'm very excited to revisit all these movies and see what I think of them as like an adult. But right now I feel like <laughs> positively about Kevin Smith while also having some definite issues with him. I think that Kevin Smith is a monster. Uh, he sickens me. He <laughs> is probably the world's least necessary filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh no. I, I. There was a time in my youth where I enjoyed the early movies of Kevin Smith, and then I think as I got older, I started to think that he was getting pretty bad. <laughs> that his movies weren't that good and uh and then i think later on revisiting uh his early movies such as the one we're discussing today i realized that he was actually always bad and i only liked him because <laughs> i was a child <laughs> and that's right. uh, pretty well, much I mean, my history with kevin well i mean kevin doesn't just have movies i think that's important to point out because kevin was also influential on me in that um smogcast his podcast was one of the first podcasts i ever got into and i listened to hours of it so you have you probably have kevin smith to thank um for me being here now setting me on the podcast journey wow so you can't hate him that much right trevor I guess uh, he's done <laughs> one good thing, possibly. Although the jury, the jury, the jury's still out on Rose's podcasting career, so we'll see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Today we're talking about the movie Clerks, uh, released in 1994. Uh, black and white for some reason, except for I. So I watched the first cut which is slightly longer than the theatrical cut and includes a scene that the footage was lost, but the audio was not. Um, and this scene is a colored animated segment. Yes. Like they just insert it into like the middle of the movie, like a colored cartoon. Yes. It's really yes. bad. That's bizarre. It's done, it's done in the style of the Clerks TV show. And oh. apparently it's a scene that was originally that was in the original script for Clerks, but they cut out mm-hmm. for a time or budget or whatever. So for the anniversary edition, they decided to animate that scene in color and put it in the movie. And it's really bad. 
so <laughs> they absolutely one, should not have done that. My one and only note that I took, I meant to take a lot, but I did not. My one and only note that I took watching this movie is, why is the cartoon just an animated web webcomic? Also, it's too horny. It's, <laughs> really, it's really bad. It's so, a horny movie. But that's the thing, like, compared to the rest of the movie, it doesn't fit at all. Like, it, it's really, it doesn't even, it's really it doesn't broad work. comedy. It's, it's very stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even think it's that awful. Like, it's just an animated webcomic from, like, 2003. Like, in quality, which is fine. You can, you know, you can be that. But, like, even, like, with, if it had the footage from the movie, like, you know, black and white live action or whatever... It would still not fit at all. Yeah. It's it's weird. So the scene is at the funeral that uh, Randall and Dante go to. And I think in the regular movie, you see that they got kicked out of the funeral, but you don't know why. And in yes. this deleted animated scene, what you learn is that Randall threw the car keys to Dante and they fell into the pants of the dead girl in the open casket. So Dante oh, had no. to reach into her pants to <laughs> to try to get the keys back. And then, uh, I don't know, the, the dead girl's dad saw him and it turned into a whole thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Which, it, which is like, it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Because in the rest of the movie, nothing happens. <laughs> like, nothing. It's just people talking. Nothing happens. And then this is like a very specific physical comedy anyway do we know that they shot like, that scene like are, do we know for sure they actually shot it i don't think so i think supposedly i don't think they did supposedly it was in the script but they didn't film it which is ah, why okay why it was later animated mm -hmm. the way it was it's like presented in that cut of the movie is is, is it's like lost footage which implies that at one point it was shot but i don't think it was um because it's insane and really bad it's also in color like when they when they yeah. cut to the animated section it's in black and white and then they fade in the color yeah why not just feel animate like, uh, it in black and white it, it really feels out of place randall is wearing the clothes that he's wearing in the rest of the movie dante the main character <laughs> of the movie is not wearing the same clothes he was wearing for the rest of the movie i don't understand that at all <laughs> Well, so you're saying you're saying that the humor feels very out of place, but keep in mind that this is also a movie that ends with uh, Dante's ex-girlfriend showing up and fucking a dead guy in the bathroom. <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Okay, sorry, There's so I'm, jump much I'm jumping the to gun here. So, uh, Clerks is a movie that I'll admit had a big impact on me. There was definitely a time when. I was very inspired by it and the story of Kevin Smith, you know, him filming this movie after his shifts working at a convenience store. And I still find a lot of the production very interesting and clever. But, uh, oof, guys, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is a lot. Uh, there, what about you, Trevor? Uh, so there was a time in my life where I probably would have said that this was Kevin Smith's only good movie, that he made one good movie and then went on uh, to make a whole bunch of crap. 
but going back and revisiting it, it's actually not good. Uh, so <laughs> he's actually never made a single good movie. <laughs> so this is the only Kevin Smith movie I have seen before. I don't think I watched it all the way through because I did not remember the ending or meeting uh, Caitlin at all. Oh, no. Um, and the reason I watched it is because I was dating a girl at the time that was really into film and she like wanted to watch it and I was like okay um so I I wasn't really paying much attention um so this is basically like I've seen the first half of it not paying attention before mm-hmm. um I liked it honestly like uh I think it does a pretty good job of like telling like painting Dante as like a piece of shit towards <laughs> at the end which I like cuz I fucking hate Dante mm-hmm so much randall rules uh randall's cool i like him a lot i'll have something to say about that (laughs) randall's great no i won't i love randall he's you know he's just hanging out at the video store not doing any work yeah but also being a total piece of shit to everyone who speaks to him like for no reason the biggest difference for me (laughs) re-watching it versus when i watched it as a kid was that uh, as a kid, I loved Randall. I thought he was so funny. I thought it was so cool the way he didn't take shit from anybody. Um, and watching it now, I'm like, wait, Randall's just a piece of shit. He's just mean <laughs> to everyone for no reason. The customers we see him deal with aren't even like difficult. They're not really like you know making his <laughs> job harder. And look. I've worked in in, uh, the service industry for most of my adult life, so I'm very familiar with getting frustrated at customers, but like we don't even really see him in frustrating customer situations. He just (laughs) immediately lashes out (laughs) and is mean to everyone and says horrible things to them for no reason. Yeah, I, I do think that's fair. I kind of remembered the, I kind of remembered Randall as like, a rebellious figure and he is but like i think when i was remembering the movie i was thinking he was like a stick it to the man type of guy but he's mainly just like bullying fellow working class people like he's just picking on regular people in the store for the most part there isn't very much of like he never goes after uh like his boss or anything like that there's no scene where you get that kind of satisfaction it's just like him making fun of someone with a weird obsessive compulsive disorder <laughs> or like making fun of uh, a, a woman for looking for like a children's movie. It's a, it's a very uh, Gen X idea. I think of being rebellious that he just has no mm-hmm. tolerance for these ordinary people. These just regular, normal, stupid fucking people. He's just gotta, he just can't put up with them. He has to call them on their shit, tell them they, their taste in movies suck and they're stupid. Yeah. It's very not latest. anyone. It's not anyone who's actually hurting him or has any like uh, power <laughs> over him. <laughs> it's just anybody he comes into contact with. Okay. I do think that's all fair, but I do think that he should be mean to Dante and that's I true. liked that. That's Dante funny. and he ne- Dante really needs somebody to tell him like, "Hey man, just fucking go home." <laughs> like clearly they can't afford to fire you. Just go home, dude. What are they going to do? So the plot of the movie, for those that haven't seen it, is that Dante gets called into work when he's not even supposed to be there that day. 
Um, <laughs> because someone calls in sick. He goes to the convenience store, and I will say this is like a very clever little production detail. I do like that someone gummed the locks so he can't um, open up the store windows all the way. And that was because Kevin Smith was filming at night. So he needed like a reason why uh, it would always be like just indoor lighting, like why you could never see outside. And I thought that was like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty clever. I liked the little stuff like that. And I think the opening of the film is very strong. Like I think the opening is some of the strongest stuff. Well, yeah. One thing that I really appreciated that I didn't think I would is that it is in black and white. Mm -hmm. So like when I was in school, I helped out with a lot of student films the fucking lighting, even when it's good, is just, like, not good. Mm -hmm. Like, it's garish, and it's either, like, way too over the top, or it just, like, is bad. And I appreciate it being in black and white, so it doesn't have to suck shit. So it can just be a black and white movie. True. So, like, like I realized that towards the end, I was like, okay, I get why he did this, and, like, I appreciate it. I also... Um, I don't know. It it made it seem like more realistic, which is stupid mm-hmm. because it's literally in a convenience store. But like, I felt like there was a little bit more weight to Dante because it wasn't black and white. It was almost like it was pretending to be pretentious in a way that made it come off more real. I don't think that makes any fucking sense. No, well, I think it does. Cause like, Part of something that I realized watching it this time is that I think what is still what still makes a lot of the film very funny to me and what makes a lot of it work for me is that there's a weird contrast of the fact that it's very just like juvenile, simple humor and very regular people, but it is shot in a very stilted black and white way that you kind of associate more with like, I don't know, like art films. And there's a weird contrast there that makes, like, the jokes a lot funnier in certain circumstances. There's also the whole, like, circles of hell thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's some pretentious shit. (laughs) Did you notice that the main character's name is Dante? Like, the guy who wrote Dante's Inferno? One of the segments is called Purgatorio, Purgatorio, I think, or something something like that. Something like that, yeah. I rolled my eyes a little bit at that part <laughs> oh, so this movie has hills and valleys it was very up and down <laughs> watching it uh, also um i mean the real reason that the movie is in black and white is because at that time in history you two might be too young to remember this but it was cheaper <laughs> to film on black and white because you had to pay yeah, for yeah. the film uh, that you used and I, I do I do agree that the black and white thing uh, works for the movie it makes mm-hmm. it feel a little more um, interesting but I think that that was mostly an accident on Kevin's part yeah I kind of think I, I kind of think that a lot of uh, not to diminish Kevin Smith's part in this because obviously this is like his production but I did think that a lot of the best elements of this movie do come from the circumstances that it come that like it was made in more than any creative choice. Like it feels it is a movie that's depicting a world which the movie is also being made in. 
So everything kind of comes together in this really unique way. You really get a feel for that place. Everything, um, uh, it's all very regular people that you're seeing coming in and out of the convenience store. And it's all like Kevin Smith's friends who are playing the friends, the main character. So it all really flows together in a, in a surprising way. Yeah. The acting is really bad. A lot of it is, but a lot of it's also very charming, I find. Yeah. One thing, whenever the animated segment came, I realized that, like, this movie was, like, ten years ahead of its time in terms of, like, snarky webcomics. Oh, my God, style. yeah. Definitely. So, like, I have to give him a little bit of props, because I feel like at the time of this, before I was born, it was probably, like, really funny. Um, and it still is pretty funny, <laughs> yeah. but, like... A lot of it is just I, like, I don't know. I don't know if he deserves up. props for inspiring all of the worst humor uh, on the <laughs> Yeah, internet. maybe condemnation. <laughs> I, I, think I, this, hey. I think that's the first piece of evidence of Kevin Smith's detrimental effect on the culture <laughs> at large. I think even dumb guys who like to think they're smart, I think even they deserve something for them. And I think, you know, this is for them. And I, I appreciate Kevin Smith making movies for those kinds of guys. I'm sure if I saw this when I was 17, I would have loved it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I, I did like this movie a lot as a kid. And frankly, I think, that, uh, <laughs> I think that Kevin Smith's work can only ever really be enjoyed by children or very stupid <laughs> people. I think that that's who it's for. Well, it's very like, you know... Um, a lot of the jokes in Clerks are just, isn't it funny that sex exists? Like, isn't it funny that genitals exist? A lot of the jokes are just, like, listing off, uh, like, different, um, you know, porno titles, or it's calling someone a cocksucker, or it's talking about jizz or something like that. Like, a lot of time, they aren't really satisfying jokes. It's just, like, isn't it funny that we're talking about this? So I think yeah. that works when you're like 13, but I'm like 24 now and <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not as funny as it used to be. I'll say that like rewatching it now, um, basically all the stuff I think Kevin Smith would have been really proud of, like the kind of dialogue he's doing, which is very ugh, rambling and has that kind of film school quality to it that's very pretentious and shitty like like none of that worked for me but the stuff that worked for me it was like usually just his friends doing weird things that he had on camera stuff that feels like very authentic and not really something that comes out of the script the end where they they bang on the window of the store and they get randall to come out to where there's like they put up a word bubble on the window that yeah. says I eat cock and Randall's head is there. That's great. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, but then like when uh Dante and Veronica are sitting on the floor, that scene felt oh my God, so yeah. forced and just like not good. Yeah, so so continuing with the plot, yeah, so they sit on the floor and they have deeply problematic sex talk which immediately oh was God. like when the film took a turn for me because i was really enjoying the opening and then i remembered like oh this is a lot of the movie a lot of the movie is these conversations 
Yeah, so the movie opens so strongly, like so mm-hmm. strongly, super strong with the cigarette thing. Um, so he opens the store. People come in and get cigarettes, and there's this guy literally just waiting at the counter to like convince them not to get cigarettes. Yeah, he like leads a mini rebellion against Dante, <laughs> the guy working at the convenience store. Yeah. And then it turns out the guy selling cigarettes is just hawking gum for Chuli's <laughs> Gum Company or something. And that's fucking great. That's but also, yeah. it ties into like the whole theme of the show, or what I wish the theme of the show would be, of like people in the working class dealing with each other yeah. all day, and the bosses not being there and stuff like that. So, like, if the movie was that all the way through, it would be fucking amazing. Mm, it would be great. Definitely. But then it turns into, like, Dante being a piece of shit about women and everything yeah. in general. <laughs> also, everybody keeps talking like Caitlyn is super hot. Veronica's way hotter. What the fuck, Dante? <laughs> I, I, like, when I, I was like, oh, damn, I'm going to get to see Caitlyn. I bet she's going to be, like, Kevin Smith's idea of a super hot woman. She's not hotter than Veronica. I was very upset by that. Um, come on. Do better, Kevin. I think uh, a problem throughout Kevin Smith's career that uh, we can already see here is the way he really likes to, to write men and women talking very frankly about sex to each other yeah. in a way that feels so unrealistic that mm-hmm. it's so cringe it always feels like he's <laughs> never spoken to a woman before his idea of the way women talk is very strange to me <laughs> and uh it's not Fully it's agree. not the yeah. worst it's not the worst in this movie it gets much worse in later movies particularly clerks 2 is the one that comes to mind but we'll talk oh. about that on a later date <laughs> um Oh, and actually, chasing Amy is probably the worst one example of this. Oh no, that's the one that I haven't seen yet. I've heard so much about it. (laughs) Yeah, like a lot of the conversations in Clerks made me really, really think hard about had Kevin Smith had sex at this point in his life. Like even just certain (laughs) plot beats seem. I think part of why it was very funny to me is that child was that i hadn't had sex yet (laughs) so a lot of the stuff that he talks about is like believable but now watching it as an adult it feels like dialogue written by someone who doesn't know what sex is and even like the fucking the dead guy thing like it just seems so bizarre that you you'd have to be a virgin to write something like that and also like yeah i think the fucking the dead guy thing would work but I just like I think it could work even within the context of the movie. I just don't think it was pulled off well because it no, was taken so seriously, and the rest of the movie is pretty serious if you leave out the animated part, um, which apparently they did when they released it. But the fucking the dead guy thing is like not funny. It, it's not no. a funny thing to just talk about after the fact. The way you would pull that off in like a raunchy comedy or whatever is that she's in the dark and she thinks she's fucking Dante. Then someone flips the lights on and she sees and she screams or whatever. Yeah. But the way they do it in this movie is that she's just talking about it to Dante. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they figure out together <laughs> that she fucked this dead guy's corpse. <laughs> and uh, it's not really, uh, I mean... 
it, it's very ridiculous, but it's just not a funny way of presenting it. Yeah. I also think, like, narratively, it doesn't work because I want to see Dante, like, I want to see him get what's coming to him. And I don't think, you know, the way the story is told, Veronica, his current girlfriend, breaks up with him at the end because Randall uh, tells him that he was going to break up with her to go on a date with Caitlin that didn't happen yet. So, like, Dante kind of skirts all responsibility, realizes he loves Veronica in the end because uh, Bob, no, Jay, oh my god, Jay and Silent Bob come in and basically tell him that he's being a piece of shit. And he's like, oh, fuck, I suck dick. Uh, I'm the worst. And then realizes it, but it's too late. But then it ends with him and Randall on the floor. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go make things up with Veronica tomorrow. And it's like, well, no, you shouldn't get out of it so easily. When Like, everybody else kind of got screwed. Well, do know. you know the original ending of it? Oh, boy, let's talk about that. Oh, I, that's right. I forgot about this, that. This is jumping ahead, but it, it's relevant. Yeah, so originally, like, the version of Clerks that I watched is the theatrical cut. So it's the version that basically Miramax edited after Kevin Smith gave them the rights to it. And one of the things they did was change the ending because originally uh, Dante just gets shot. Like, that's how it ends. Is he dies. That's a great fucking ending. Literally, Kevin Smith said that he was inspired by Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. No way. Do (laughs) the right thing? Because Do the Right Thing ends in uh, everybody erupting in violence. And Kevin Smith apparently saw that was like, oh, I want to do something like that. So at the end of my silly, stupid sex comedy, I'm just going to have the main character get randomly killed. (laughs) (laughs) see like that would have been like a cathartic ending to me that would be a happy ending for me is seeing shithead dante you know get what's coming to him but instead (laughs) it's like oh it's fine whatever i don't think it's good it seems like kevin smith trying to reach for unearned uh gravitas which i think he he does a lot in later (laughs) movies Mm mm-hmm um, yeah, so, uh, like, you were kind of talking about what's really fucked up about the fucking the dead guy thing is that all of this is kind of presented as, like, oh, poor hapless Dante can't catch a break. He thought he yeah, was going to... He thought he was going to reunite with his hot ex-girlfriend, but then she suffered this horrible traumatic experience, <laughs> and, it, and that totally blew it for him, man. <laughs> Yeah, and here here's the thing with Dante, is that, like, I get that the ending of the film does this big criticism of him or whatever, but I almost feel like it's a cop-out by that point. So I yes. don't think Dante is often... Like, I don't think his behavior is honestly the butt of the joke in the way that it should be. You're definitely meant to empathize with him, and then at the end it does this, like, self-crit moment. But to me, it's effective... Because that's like a well-written part of the movie, I think. But it doesn't feel earned. And I don't think it like retroactively changes how the rest of the movie goes. Yeah. I, like, they just... Hmm, they, they show Dante, like, for a lot of it, 
you know, people are treating him like shit. There's a cigarette guy. There's a bunch of other people. And it's like, yeah, that sucks and stuff. But then at the end, they can't decide if they want to make him like pitiable or if they want to make him disgusting. Yeah. If you're supposed to relate to him a lot or if you're supposed to be like, oh, those are the worst parts of myself. So it is the the message I just think gets muddled a lot by being too close to the character. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like Kevin Smith wasn't able to like see just how bad Dante really is. That's it. That's definitely it. Cause he, and then, yeah. So he couldn't, he couldn't write an effective ending because he didn't want it to be that bad because it's like, I don't know, self condemnation, condemnation or something. Yeah. And, and let, okay. Let's talk about Kevin <laughs> for a second. <laughs> we need, we so, need to talk about him. We do need to talk about Kevin. So I think with Dante, Dante is obviously supposed to be a kind of Kevin Smith stand-in for this movie, I think. Like, that's his um, surrogate character. So, Dante yes. does get criticized at the end. He is supposed to be a flawed character. But I think what I find weird about it to me is that Kevin is writing what he thinks his own flaws are. So, the end is like, Dante needs to get out of the convenience store. He needs to make a change. He needs to grow up. And obviously Kevin Smith was working in a convenience store and chose to make this movie. So that's like him changing and stuff like that. So it's very self-inspired in that way. But I don't think he gets... (laughs) Yeah, how like fucking disgusting the behavior of Dante (laughs) is. And just like how nasty almost all the characters that he writes are it's a pretty it's a pretty fucking uh i'll say like i don't want to say bigoted but i will say it's a very conservative worldview (laughs) It, it kind of is which is weird because a lot of the movie does have like support for the working class Mm -hmm. and like desire like it, it empathizes with them up to a point and then it mm-hmm. stops it's it's Definitely. almost like he wrote the first half of the movie and then radically changed the way he saw himself and the world yeah and then did the second half of the movie and it's very strange i i'd like to talk about the famous uh death star contractor conversation because I oh, think geez, that the, yeah, that's a good example. I think I think that the film displays some very uh, questionable morality around that issue, <laughs> because basically, uh, I I think Randall is trying to make a point to Dante about how when the rebellion blew up the Death Star, it wasn't finished being filmed. So there are all these independent contractors working on the Death Star who are unfairly killed, but then. A, a a customer overhears them and he says like, hey, well, I'm a contractor and one time I was hired to work uh, for on a house that belonged to the Gambino crime family and I turned it down because of the risk factor and then the person that did take the job ended up getting killed in a mob hit. <laughs> so, Who was a friend so they, of that guy. Yeah, he yeah, he was his friend that he put onto the job. Oh. So the the implication is that because he was wise enough to avoid taking potentially dangerous work, therefore the person that 
the people that do get killed in those circumstances, such as his friends, his or his friend or the contractors on the Death Star kind of deserved it because they knew what they were getting into. Like that's yeah. like that's sort of the uh, conclusion to that issue. <laughs> Watching that again, it, it really bothered me. Yeah, and just like the the way the dialogue is written and performed, I found it pretty. Uh, I mean, I was cringing watching it. It's some pretty embarrassing nerd dialogue. And the yeah. way that they exchange back and forth with, like, these perfect little inserts. Actually, like, I think the thing it reminded me of the most is, um, like, Aaron Sorkin. Like, the West Wing-style dialogue. Where yes. it's, it's super snappy and unnatural. Which, you know, with Aaron Sorkin, I also find it annoying. But when it's, like super smart white house people going back and forth you can kind of buy it or whatever but when it's two dudes slacking off in a convenience store that dialogue sounds so unnatural between them it sounds like one person you know talking to themselves writing a script it's like so it's like going to a theater kid party when they all get drunk oh god and they like tr and it's just like that and like parts of it i think actually are kind of funny most of it not. is horrendous <laughs> absolutely just awful to listen to and again like i think i would have liked the movie somehow still if it wasn't for the animated scene that like really threw me out of it but like oh man just some of it especially the conversations with veronica are so bad those yeah those are rough like, even my shithead high school friends are funnier than this. Mm -hmm. And it's, and they don't talk like that. Like, there's jokes being made. I don't know. Something about it makes me feel like, like, all these people are Kevin's friends. But, like, did they ever say, like, hey, man, I don't want to talk like an asshole. <laughs> no, because that's probably how they all actually talked. And they, and they thought it was fine. Well, the thing is that, like, I think, surprisingly, the stuff that doesn't work is actually the stuff that he hired actors for. And I think it's kind of telling about what the good qualities of this movie are. So the main cast, like uh, Dante, Veronica, and um, who's who's the girl that shows up in the second half? Caitlin. Caitlin. Those are all like actual theater actors that Kevin Smith uh, got together. Oh. But then like Randall and uh jay those people are just his friends so what i really noticed was like watching it the roles where it's like his friend or someone just like stepping in for one scene i think are really good because he's writing for them but with the hired actors he's already written something and he's trying to cast it so it doesn't like it doesn't work as well. It doesn't have that pop of a unique voice. It all sounds like Kevin Smith. Whereas like Randall that's... and Jay, I both find very funny, even though Randall's an asshole. That's a great point. You're telling me that Dante is a real actor that he hired. Yeah. I never. He's knew like a that local before. theater dude. Yeah, which is unfortunate because like again, those roles are the weakest because it is actually people trying to act. Whereas um, some of the other roles are people being themselves and then Kevin, like, just getting them to do funny things. And that works a lot better. I was wanting to say that, like, a lot of stuff I found really funny in this movie 
does feel just like very natural. Uh, I just wrote down here that one of my favorite parts during the opening was uh, Jay just going off while Silent Bob is obviously totally quiet, <laughs> where he's talking about like, you know, oh, Silent Bob, you look pretty good. I go down on you. I get like five guys together. I look like a fucking trained seal. And he starts like <laughs> pretending to suck dick. But then the part that made me laugh was then he stands up and he's like, fuck you. I'm not gay. I love women. <laughs> <laughs> like that shit made me scream i thought that was really funny and that's obviously just like his friend who acts like that and he just like wrote something for him i went into the movie thinking i was going to hate jay and silent bob they were by far my favorite part strongest part yeah by far yeah i think jay was sort of considered the uh standout uh character in the movie Mm -hmm. and ended up being the thing that kevin smith sort of banked his whole career on because he put them in like the next uh six or seven movies he made (laughs) oh right they keep showing up i forgot that's like a continuous thing in his movies is jay and silent bob yeah the uh the view askew universe all of the view movies askew. feature jay and silent bob in some way the mc view askew and i have to say very diminishing returns on jay and silent bob as the oh, definitely. as the franchise goes on uh those outdoor scenes though i thought were like by far the funniest i found that like pretty much any time where like a lot of the vignettes basically were really funny um, the main story, I think, is pretty awful. I don't find much of it very entertaining. But, like, yeah, Jay is super funny. The My favorite part of the entire movie is when his Russian, like, cousin or something shows up and he's in a metal band. <laughs> that whole sequence, I think, is amazing. Like, that's the funniest thing in the movie. That is so funny. The Berserker song. And... <laughs> it's just such good delivery because he does the whole like uh, uh, berserker stuff and he says uh, would you like to make King fuck berserker and then they're all like oh yeah cool man and then one of the girls just says did he say making fuck <laughs> and then it cuts away and that's like that's the funniest shit in the whole movie and it's totally detached from the actual story which is very unfunny <laughs> Yeah, I suspect that a lot of that, I think a lot of that stuff might have been like barely scripted at best. It must have been, like yeah. He yeah. Might have kind of gotten Jason Muse and that other guy in front of the camera and kind of just let them fuck around a little bit. Mm-hmm. It feels very natural compared to like the more acted pieces. I think the last bit with Jay and Silent Bob where Jay walks in and is like, hey man, we get off the you know the same time all the time because Jay sells drugs in front of the convenience store. And he's like, nah, man, I don't want to hang out with you. And he, he sort of calls him out on that. I, I like that bit. I like that, yeah. And then he ruins it by having Silent Bob Ugh. say something too, which is like yeah. what Silent Bob said wasn't that bad, but it's just like he shouldn't say anything. But that's why it's a powerful oh, he, moment. If- <laughs> Yeah, if you don't like Silent Bob talking, uh, get ready to be disappointed in every single movie. <laughs> <laughs> because they all they all hinge on a, a big moment where Silent Bob finally speaks. And uh, 
it really the oh, power God. of it really diminishes over time because the guy talks in every fucking movie <laughs> in yeah in jane silent bob strike back he talks twice he has a part where he like gets mad at jay and like yells at him and then he has like a big long speech at the end and it's like okay we mm-hmm. get it silent bob talks sometimes Ooh. it's not really cool anymore <laughs> No, and I found it watching it this time. I remembered that moment being like pretty cool because you don't expect it to happen. But this time watching it, you know, I know who Kevin Smith is and him talking directly to the camera, having this big moment where like his character finally says something and basically delivers like one of the morals of the film to the audience it felt very heavy-handed for one thing and then also the moral that he delivers i think reflects a lot of the shittiness about the main story of this movie which he's like you know uh (laughs) that girl brought you lasagna or whatever you know i think (laughs) i think that's that's pretty great you know most women will just cheat on you and it's this running thing through the movie where Dante is of course a shitbag or whatever that's what the end is supposed to be is criticizing him but he also has like two beautiful women just like hanging off of him and a lot of the movie is like him choosing between them and that part that part doesn't feel real it feels like a Kevin Smith fantasy and the ending moral is that like (laughs) <laughs> that that Kevin Smith, you know, um, he has so many women hanging off of him. He's got to go for the ones that'll feed him and show up at his work and like mother him uh, over like the hot bad bitch. <laughs> Rose, I can't wait for you to watch Chasing Amy. That, that's all I'll say. I'm dreading. I don't want to give. I'm really dreading away, it. But. Uh... <laughs> If you imagine all the things you dislike the most about this movie just distilled and amplified, (laughs) that's pretty much what Chasing Amy is. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, even this one, too. Like, I don't know the whole plot of Chasing Amy, but a big part of this movie, too, is, like, him tracking down some girl that he, like, used to go with in high school, Caitlin. Uh, Like reading uh the wedding announcement in the newspaper and freaking out about it and calling her and stuff like that and then she just this is a part i didn't understand she just shows up and she says that she came to town because her mom put that in the newspaper and caitlin knew that it would be so upsetting to dante that she like took a train down to come and see him and make sure that he was okay and then they have this conversation where she's like, no, I didn't break up with him be- because of you. Like, mm-hmm. a- the so the marriage apparently was like not entirely real or something. A- a- and then they have this conversation in the video store next to the convenience store that makes no sense, even within the context of the awful dialogue of the movie. So like, none of it makes sense at that point. It's just that point I like, completely checked out and i was like this sucks go back to playing hockey on the roof and doing dick jokes yeah those are good and 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 then like it it doesn't end because he's like oh this is shitty i shouldn't be doing this it doesn't end because 
somebody else tells him to. It ends because she ends up catatonic from fucking a dead guy in the bathroom. Yeah. And then she drives away in the ambulance next to the dead guy. Yeah, and that's that's how her story uh that's how her story wraps up, I guess. Incredibly frustrating. <laughs> I wasn't as frustrated watching about it. Well, I wasn't as frustrated about it watching it, but now I am a lot. Yeah. And it's deeply upsetting to me. <laughs> that section of the movie is I... is when they um Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you you go. <laughs> I'm I'm about to change the topic here a little bit. Uh, so that section of the movie go, go has, I mean, it has a part, it has a joke in it that reoccurs that I had to get to eventually. So I'm just going to dive into it. Uh, so multiple times starting halfway through the movie, Randall talks about uh, watching porn with chicks with dicks and specifically use the word hermaphrodite like over and over and it's like a recurring thing where people keep seeing him watch the porn and mention hermaphrodites and this threw me through a loop because hermaphrodite is a term that like i i don't hear anymore it felt like ancient it felt like when you hear an old person use like a racial slur from like the 1910s that you just don't recognize anymore. It was almost innocent because I was like, what the, what the fuck? A hermaphrodite? Yeah. It also doesn't, it doesn't describe the same thing that the term chicks with dicks usually is referring to. So that's like a little uh, confusing. And it's sort of like he's watching it ironically. Yeah. It, it feels like a stunt. Like it's, it's, it's a joke, but it happens like the like that's the biggest subplot of the movie is that Randall is watching porn. Like it's a massive plot point for the movie. Yeah, he goes to the video store and everything. Like he has to get Dante to lend him a vehicle or whatever, and uh, and look after the store. And then he goes to the big video store because he works in the shitty video store, and he gets this special porn that he wants. It and he comes back and he watches it, and like people keep commenting on it, and he's having conversations while he's watching it, but he's always watching it in like a very um, bored way. So I don't understand like what we're supposed to. I don't get what the joke is. Like I don't understand what we're supposed to get from it. He's doing it just to be shocking. He's he's I guess doing it so, to shock yeah. people. He's so he's so irreverent. There's definitely a lot of stuff in this movie which is just there to be like edgy. I think uh fucking the dead guy, that's pretty much its only purpose. It's not even very funny. It's just like more damn, isn't it crazy that I put this into a movie? This is like wild. And then part of that is like when Caitlin comes out of the bathroom after fucking the dead guy, she's like, that was amazing. Yeah. Nobody would say that. That's like, that's the guy that, that uh, sits there. What the fuck? That's the stuff that made it feel uh, like uh, I couldn't connect to it anymore. Like that's the stuff that made me go like, has Kevin had sex at this point? Because the way she reacts when... is so insane. It's so out of proportion. It doesn't make any sense with the scene. When she opens the door to enter the bathroom, isn't there light? Does she not see that there's a dead man sitting in there? Was she closing her eyes when she walked in? 
There, there's so many uh, practical problems uh, with what's happening there. Also, the guy went into the bathroom before they left to the funeral, I'm pretty sure. So he's been in there for hours. He'd be like, ice cold. <laughs> yeah, and it's like... <laughs> also, did like he not lock the door? Like, if you're going into a public bathroom to jack off, you're gonna lock the door. I will admit, I did find that guy kind of funny when he was asking for all this stuff. There were, like, little bit parts like that that I don't know if these are people that Kevin knew, if these are, like, local theater actors, but that was, like, one of the roles that did actually, that worked for me. Yeah, same. (laughs) Really weird stuff. I think this is the movie that uh, most people would say is Kevin Smith's best work, right? His uh, his magnum opus. I I would say so. And like, even if I have my problems with it, it's one of those films that like I'm I'm still kind of glad ex- exists because it is kind of unique. It does capture a certain moment. Uh, like a certain culture, a certain time and place that I find really cool. Um, And the story around it, I find very interesting. But watching it, like, it was pretty rough. There were still some bits that worked for me, some stuff that I would look up on YouTube later and find very funny. But as a film overall, like, I was kind of done with it probably halfway through. I think it does a good job of, like, capturing what it's like to work in a small town when you're in your 20s and that's about it there are some funny bits in there a lot of it's not funny like aggressively not funny yeah but i i I appreciate it just from the level of like it's a movie that a guy made uh, just about himself that hadn't really been made before and like you know if hollywood tried to make it it would be so much worse it would not be it wouldn't be the same, like, it wouldn't be genuine in any way, and it would lose, like, any merit that it has. Yeah, which is uh, why Clerks 2 will be a very interesting watch. So I only saw that one time, but from what I remember, that's what it is, is, like, the corporate version of Clerks, like, the studio-produced version of Clerks, and it's a lot less interesting because of that. Yeah. yeah. Clerks 2, I don't know, Clerks 2 is a very sincere uh, movie that you can tell meant a lot to Kevin Smith, that he cared about it a lot. Um, But like uh, most things that he's involved with, it's very bad. Um, (laughs) I I can't really agree with you, Rose, that I'm glad this movie exists. I'm not. Uh, It makes me upset. The fact that it's responsible for launching Kevin Smith's career, that it's the reason that (laughs) I know about him, uh, it haunts me. It's uh, deeply upsetting. (laughs) Um, The movie itself, it definitely isn't the worst. It's probably mm -hmm. the closest thing he's ever done to like a good movie. But man, (laughs) it's all all, uh, downhill from here. Well, it feels like, to me, a very honest movie 
for better or worse. Uh, I think it very much depicts exactly what Kevin Smith was probably like at that point in time uh, and what his worldview was. And it's pretty awful, like genuinely, um, (laughs) the way it depicts women and just like depicts pretty much everyone who is not, um, not just like straight white dude, but also like this specific age, this specific economic position, like pretty much everyone who's not Kevin Smith in this film is portrayed horribly. But then also Kevin Smith's standing character is also portrayed horribly. So there's like kind of a darkness and a nastiness to the film, which I'm sure was partially intentional, but most of it's not. So I kind of find it interesting um, for the fact that like a lot of it is very unself-aware. <laughs> yeah, I think that is like one of the most interesting ways to look at it. It's not as like a great piece of art, but as like a kind of bad piece of art <laughs> made by a certain kind of guy. Yeah, and I still find it like pretty... Um, I do definitely still get a bit of a warm feeling from it, from just like thinking about my own time making uh, making movies on my own and growing up and working dead end jobs and stuff like that. There is still quality to it of seeing someone in a position I've been in actually do it, actually make the movie, actually make it. Most people can't say they've done that. The movie that resulted from Kevin's success and the career that resulted <laughs> from his success, <laughs> um, I think is uh, not great. <laughs> but, but I don't know the context of it and the reality of it. I still find charming. Cool. Well, um, I think that was our review of the 1994 classic clerks um (laughs) it really you know like whatever we think of uh whatever we think of the movie for better or worse it it is a classic um it did inspire a lot of people it was a sensation um is that a good thing i'd say mostly no but i can't um i can't ignore that that's uh that that's how it went <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah and <laughs> you know uh folks on this show uh we really want to <clears throat> excuse me we really want to try to get inside the mind of kevin smith the the enigmatic kevin smith we want to <laughs> get we want to get down deep we want to understand what makes him tick and you know, Kevin Smith is not just a great filmmaker. He's also a very prolific poster, a podcaster, a raconteur. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> has contributed uh, a lot more to the culture than just his movies. So in order to really understand the man, I think we need to examine uh, some of the uh, cultural detritus that he's uh, put out into the world. Uh, and we're going to do take a closer look at Kevin with a little segment that we call Kevin's Receipts. <laughs> okay, so I got, you know what, I felt like we had to start strong. We had to start with the classic. Clerks. Oh, yeah. Clerks is the most classic Kevin Smith film. It's like, you know, it's the catalyst for everything. This is the classic <laughs> Kevin Smith tweet. And I will say that after watching no. Clerks again... <laughs> 
and and hearing hearing the way that Dante speaks, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Now I see where this tweet comes from. Definitely. <laughs> no discussion of Kevin Smith, the man, the legend, would be complete if we didn't talk about this post. It's deeply important <laughs> to his history. <laughs> I mean, it, Clerks was very important uh, to film history. I would say this tweet um, is very important to uh, poster history, to online history. Oh, abs- absolutely. Definitely a landmark moment. Um. <laughs> one of the most, one of the most talked about uh, posts of all time, I would say. Okay, so here it goes, July 9th, two two thousand and nine, ten years ago. Over ten, over ten years ago now. Can you believe it? And it still retains its power. Um, this is three forty-three and we're p.m. Still talking about it. At that, Kevin Smith. Sorry, I'm trying so hard to like not laugh right now. Okay, okay here we go. Everyone, let's be serious. Keep it together. 10 years in and we bone like we're cheating on each other with each other a decade plus and her clit slash brown slash taint area still pones my dick <laughs> God damn it. Oh. Um, so as awful and as just soul-wrenchingly <laughs> terrible as this post is it reminds me that no matter what and it's not because of his money or his fame kevin smith is happier than i am and will <laughs> always be happier than i am with his oh, life absolutely and at some point i get i just gotta be like damn maybe i should make really <laughs> shitty movies yeah no i don't I, like it i don't <laughs> i don't like the idea that he's this happy uh it, i hope that i can somehow affect his life to make him question his choices in his career because i don't think he deserves this level of happiness <laughs> look i gotta respect the guy for um keeping up this type of um this type of talk for like this long for growing up making it big and still talking like a character in clerks and, uh, and he hasn't let it change him which no. is amazing that's a, a fucking didn't get to him. incredible mm-hmm. accomplishment and probably his most it. incredible thing he's ever done is he stayed it. the same dipshit but you know if we're to believe uh kevin's side of the story he didn't actually write this post at all did he right i have the second i have a follow-up tweet uh here as well uh, five years later, um, July 9th, 2014, on the date, on the exact date, July 9th. He was Kevin... ready. He had been waiting to, to do this, to deliver this big drafts. lie to the world. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so here it is. This is Kevin's. I, well, I won't put my I won't put my opinion onto this. I will say let the people decide for themselves if this is true or not. Um Five years ago today, I lost a bet to at Jen Schwalbach. I think that's it. Uh, his wife. Yeah. I lost a bet to Jen Schwalbach. Prize was to post the worst tweet she could muster on my Twitter. 
That's a, okay, you know what? That I was just, I had my journalist voice on, but now I have my op-ed voice on. That's a <laughs> bold-faced lie. <laughs> that is Liar. not true. <laughs> Liar. It's a fucking shameless lie to uh, uh, to place the blame for his incredibly gross, embarrassing post onto his wife. <laughs> Which is a very Dante thing to do. He it has is very not changed. Yes. He's been the same person so, since he was 24, and I respect that. <laughs> so yeah. weaselly. He won't <laughs> accept responsibility for his own <laughs> terrible post. It's disgusting to me. He's a disgusting little cretin. Uh, I should note here well, that also you know, in the... Also in the replies uh, is, uh, you know, a friend of the pod, Matt Chrisman, who says, don't believe the lies. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Any any reasonable person knows immediately that Kevin was lying. (laughs) You know that thing that couples do when it's your anniversary, when it's your anniversary, when it's your specifically 10-year anniversary and you just give your partner your phone and you say, post the worst tweet you can muster. I, okay. I, like, the brain Never part of me, <laughs> I know that it's a lie. But, like, my be. heart and my soul believes it to be the truth because that is so much funnier. <laughs> if it was the truth, Everybody was like, this is the worst post ever. Five years later, he's like, oh, yeah, my wife did that on purpose. That's fucking great. I love that. (laughs) I hope that's what's happened. I'm going to (laughs) continue just believing Kevin Smith on his face. I know that it's not true, but I'm going to keep believing it anyway. And but yeah, here's what's here's what's even funnier, Ted. Picture that Kevin Smith and his wife have the type of relationship where she is willing to let him throw her under the bus uh, and embarrass her to cover his own ass for something stupid well, so and embarrassing that love. he did. That's true both ways. Because no matter yeah. what's true, like he still does that, right? So the fact that he would do that... Why did he wait, even why when did he it's wait true, five years? Why? <laughs> exactly. Who fucking knows? It's great. 15th, I love it. it was a big anniversary. They had to follow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, so one of the things that I think I've heard him say in his defense as a means of proving that he couldn't have possibly written the tweet is that, uh, so in the original tweet, he spells pones, P, capital O, W, N, S, and Kevin Smith insists that he is a devoted gamer, so he That's, knows yeah, that the correct way to spell pones is P-W-N-S without that O in there. Therefore, he never would have <laughs> written it incorrectly like that, and it could have only been his stupid-ass wife uh, pretending to be him. Case <laughs> closed, Your Honor. Fake gamer wife. I, I guess okay. that explanation relies on how much you trust Kevin Smith's gamer cred. Um, I, I associate Kevin Smith more with uh, the filmers and uh, the comic book nerds. I don't associate him with um, the gamers as much. <laughs> okay, so... I have a quick question, though, because I just want to double check. 
that is like that's been his only wife right uh jennifer yes i i did look that up yes that's his only wife i gotta say again like i have an amount of respect for this guy he has remained somehow a he is like a man child he is still not even 24 uh like he is like 20 at heart and (laughs) he is living a very successful career seems extremely happy has been married to like the same woman his entire uh um like he's only have been in one marriage he has a kid and they seem to get along and she's in movies with him so that's partially why i'm comfortable making a podcast where we're mainly going to tear apart his movies (laughs) because he seems like i feel like he won't get bothered because he seems like a very happy man so i think we should end this taken down a peg (laughs) well hang on i think i think we should end this with our final thoughts not on the movie but on kevin as a person right now um i i like him i didn't like the movie (laughs) i don't like that post um i don't know why i like him you know i think he's having a good life yeah i don't i don't blame him for it um i don't know if i could say i respect him i respect him as like no i i don't like an emotional level i guess you don't you don't have to make that reach you don't have to do it i i'm not i i i'm being 100 percent honest i would never lie i'm pro kevin smith Right now, in this moment, I see Kevin Smith, I would be like, hey, man, you're pretty cool. Even if I hate his fucking movie. (laughs) I I pretty much agree, yeah. Like, I feel, um, he's a weird guy, but I do like him, and I have a certain amount of respect for him being, like, just a guy who, who made it, who made a gamble, you know, used a ton of credit cards, spent all of his money, funded this random movie. It took off and he seems to have done pretty well for himself. And he doesn't seem to have turned to like a Hollywood creep. Uh, he hasn't really sold out, honestly. Like he's kind of stuck to what he likes to do. And he seems to have a happy, healthy life. He's notably not on the Epstein flight logs. Notably, notably. I mean, I'm going to double check he, what documents have been never, released. Back. No way... He would never have been cool enough to get invited onto the <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein plane. Come on. <laughs> That's actually fair. Those guys, I think I've seen him hang out with him. <laughs> well, I think, like, even, even though he's rich now, like, even though he's made it, he's still not, like, that kind of rich. And maybe that's why I still have a bit of a fondness for him, is that he still feels like a dude from, uh, like, a dude I went to high school with or a dude from my hometown that made it. And I think that's like a big appeal to his fans is that he feels like a very regular guy who somehow got a massive Hollywood career. (laughs) All right. My final thought on Kevin Smith is that I hate him with my life. He is a plague (laughs) on this earth. I despise him. He's my great enemy in life. And I, and I want nothing more than to see him destroyed and forgotten. All right. Kevin, if you're listening, gonna, I do not have endorse to take, uh, have that to... message. Kevin, Sorry, I will you guys are being too Trevor. kind. I got to take the hard line position here. Uh, he's a bad man. And I want him to go down <laughs> hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I my opinion might change as I see more than one of his movies, mm-hmm. but I would defend Kevin Smith from you, Trevor, in this moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to forgive um, a lot of pretty heinous shit in the movie Clerks because I mean, I mean, like Kevin Smith himself, there's a charm to it. There is an honesty to it. Um, so despite all my problems with Clerks, I do find Kevin Smith just a very funny and kind of weirdly, um, charming figure, even though, I don't know, a lot of his stuff is very cringy and embarrassing and offensive at times. I don't know. I still, (laughs) I still kind of like him for some reason. We have talked about Kevin. We need to continue pulling back the, uh, the veil of Kevin Smith. But one movie at a time. I believe I believe the next movie is Mallrats. I'm pretty sure. Oh, Mallrats, nice. yeah. So I know, you know, fucking nothing about that. Okay, everybody, that was We Need to Talk About Kevin. Um, I'm not going to give you my Twitter because I don't want people to follow me. Uh, Rose. <laughs> uh, you can follow me. Uh, I'm at uh, underscore Flower Guardian on Twitter and Flower Guardian on YouTube. Uh, right now, I have a new video out that's a deep dive into Twin Peaks uh, Season 3, The Return, which uh, has, I would say, at least as much thematic depth as <laughs> the work of Kevin Smith. So I would definitely check that out. <laughs> uh, I'm at Trev underscore Drinkwater on Twitter if you want to follow me. Um and uh, definitely check out Rose's video about Twin Peaks because it's very good and it uh, concerns the work of a filmmaker who is actually good and doesn't stink <laughs> like Kevin. Mo- moderately better. <laughs> yeah. It's safe to say David Lynch is at least a little bit better at making movies than Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll uh, see you next week with Mall Rats, everybody. (laughs) Mall Rats, yeah. All right, have a good one. Bye. Chewbacca!